All men are created equal, but they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Fight, liberty, and the If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Make America great again. The Big Mig. Welcome back to the Big Mig Show. I am your host, Lance Miliacho, tip of the spear. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. Uh, and you know each and every episode, that's what we plan to do here. We want to educate you. We bring the receipts. We bring you the right gets. We bring you the truth that mainstream media or our U.S. government want to cover up. As you know, we believe it's a uniparty at this point. Neither side is protecting we the people. Uh, but we want to educate you so that you can help us unify the country, share our content, show it to whoever. You know our belief system here on the show. Uh, we want you to use every possible tool we provide you to get the country back on track because, let's face it, we're in serious trouble. If you're not paying close enough attention to that, then uh, you, you better get off CNN, MSNBC, and the rest of them, and you better get over here to the uh, what I would call the alt media sources, because they're the truthful media sources. George Ballantine, co-host, superstar. What's up, brother? What's up? What's going on, man? <laughs> busy day as usual. It's busy, Damn, busy we were week. It, running and gunning today. There's no doubt. We've been run. I've been running and gunning all week, and you yeah, know it just never week. stops. And I just found out I got to work all day and night tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of, lot of stuff going on. But listen, I want to thank our sponsors. We couldn't even do this show without them. We appreciate that. We're working hard. Uh, cfmud.com, patriotic apparel for the whole family. You know that he is a great uh, American patriot, the ownership of this company. We love him, uh, and we appreciate everything he does. Get over there. Uh, he's got all kinds of stuff, coffee cups, tumblers, George, tumblers. Yeah, thank God. Curried cups and, and uh, lots of others. And, of course, uh, beardvet.com. That's beardvet coffee. These guys are amazing. You know, they're always at Mar-a-Lago. They're always at the events. They're tied into all the big movers and shakers. They are American First Patriots. We love them. $12.99 for a 12-ounce bag, still an amazing price. Get over there. They've got subscriptions. they got all kinds of other stuff there on their site, including Beard Vet Tactical. So you get your coffee and you can get your ammo. So uh, definitely check them out if you can. And then, of course, ideaordie.com. If you're trying to expand your voice on social media, we appreciate them having brought us into the initial team uh, over there, the Big Mig team. We're working closely with them. They're giving us the opportunity to put our footprint on what they're doing. But the good big plan is to help people not only grow their accounts, but create a unified team that works together to get the message out, get the truth out, and get our voice out. So that's us. Joey Manorino's over there. Uh, you know, Lauren Witzke's over there. There are just a lot of big accounts, and there's more coming online every day. That team they're uh, assembling is big, and you're going to want to really jump in there. So that's ideaordie.com. George Ballantine's over there, too. Don't forget. Yeah, the, the G, G Ballantine on X, though, bro. you yeah. got to get it right, you know. Uh, and don't forget to follow our personal assistant, Rich Esparza. George relies on him a lot, even though George can be a little testy, Rich. We know that. So, you know, today you was a test, back. though, too. Today, was today a you were a little testy with old Rich, brother. I was. Um, I apologize yeah. to him, though. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, so uh, I guess you got something about my pillow you want to talk about. I do. So this is real important, everybody. Um, my pillow got canceled by none other than the fake news network Fox. Why? Well, let's see. Because my pillow just um, Frank TV hired um, Lou Dobbs, who Fox News got rid of because Lou Dobbs was telling the truth. So now they just canceled all his ads from the network. So what you can do, go to MyPillow.com, buy some products. We've got great Giza sheets, pillowcases, those nice comfy pillows. we got slippers, dog beds, towels. Got a whole bunch of stuff. Use the promo code TheBigMig at MyPillow.com. Get some stuff. Support a great American. Because you all know he's been taking financial hits, personal hits, all to save our country. So at least we and he do. is busting his ass to get rid of these rotten, broken, corrupted voting machines. And without those voting machines taken out, man, we have a major problem because you can you can get the most votes, but you can't get them counted correctly. That's for sure. Uh, and Mike Lindell is continuing to put his money where his mouth is. Of course, he's been attacked civilly and otherwise by everybody, including Dominion. We stand with him. So go ahead, George. No, it's okay. We can. Let's, you know, let's get on with it. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code MIG, and support a patriotic American like Mike Lindell. He's, you know, so he's- tonight, this is part two for us. You probably remember Jacqueline Brieger and that amazing presentation she gave down in Arizona to a committee down there. Of course, they didn't like what she had to say. No. Uh, her, along with John Thaler, have continued their fight to get the truth out. I, I got to tell you... Um, this is one of those stories that you would think would make major changes in our, at least in the Arizona legislature, Arizona government. Uh, you would assume that these people would listen to uh, John. And I want to give you some background in case you've forgotten who he is. Uh, you know, he's been practicing law for more than 33 years. He's one of the few investigative attorneys in the U.S. Uh, he specializes in investigating white-collar crime, he does it in, including racketeering and money laundering, embezzlement, payroll theft, insurance fraud, and lots of other activities along those lines. This includes banks, insurance companies, government agencies, and individuals. So he was perfectly trained and perfectly educated to be the guy that this case would come up with and who would do the investigation along with uh, Jacqueline. He, so he's got an in-depth knowledge of the law, obviously, and he's got a phenomenal understanding of human behavior because, of course, white-collar crimes, you're going to have to anal- you're going to have to be analytical and you're going to have to really use your intuition because, obviously, these are very creative criminals when that happens, when they're trying to do things like money laundering or hiding assets or stealing or bankruptcies. Um, you know, here's the deal. This guy has really put his money where his mouth is, and he's put his personal life out also. And I think that's always a big deal when somebody puts their personal lives out. So from 2019 to 2023, he's investigated racketeering, bribery, corruption, election fraud in Arizona. And during that investigation, the worst part about it all, at least as a parent myself, his son McKinley was abducted. uh, And this was obviously an attempt to uh, stop the investigation. Uh, his ex uh, clearly was put in it, maybe call it a honey trap, but her plan was obviously to try to control what he was already investigating related to a case that was prior to this, but led him to this. So he's had lots of harassment, including swatting. They made attempts on his life. I'm going to let him share that himself. He couldn't do much more than that. And finally, he's taken all the details, which this is this is a massive undertaking. Uh, he's And he's written a book, Report to the Governor. 
And this is this really tells the story of the four-year investigation into the racketeering corruption and election fraud in the state of Arizona. Of course, during this investigation, they were able to identify a lot of other states. Now, this book, Report to the Governor, chronicles the abduction of his, of his son, which, man, that's just heartbreaking. And it's, there's obviously a plot to stop this investigation uh, from doing the money laundering, the real estate tampering, uh, the uh, life insurance fraud. I mean, they, these, these guys had their hands in so many pies. And oddly enough, uh, Ms. Chavez is at the middle of it. He didn't know that going on. Uh, but, but I want to tell you this. So we're going to send you over. If you go to uh, reporttothegovernor.com, you can use the code BIGMIG. I would recommend getting this book. And I'm telling you why, to our listeners, subscribers, why you should get this book. It's crucial. Because this book makes it so easy that all the government agencies, the state agencies, uh, in, including, uh, you know, every uh, investigative agency for criminal in the state of Arizona, and every federal agency, the FBI, and numerous others should be involved, and they should be going full swing to bring these people to justice. What you're going to hear tonight is going to be disgusting, and if you're not mad when you get done, I'll be surprised, because I know I got mad. I started, I'd read the book three months ago, and I re-reviewed it tonight so I could be prepared for this interview. And looking at it, all I could do was shake my head angrily. So um, get over to the website. Like I said, if you use the code BIGMIG, you'll get a discount, and Mr. Thaler will autograph that book for you which is great. It's always nice to have an autographed book. So he's on social media at Thaler, E-S-Q-O-N. And I think that's at Thaler, E-S-Q-O-N. That's his Twitter handle. Uh, he's on Facebook at Report to the Governor, or, or Governor on Facebook. Is that right? We'll have to get that from him. I want to make sure I didn't screw that up. I probably did, knowing me. <laughs> and don't forget Jacqueline. I told you before she was heroic. She's the owner of, obviously, Fine Breger Insurance Agency, and she joined Harris Thaler Law Offices uh, as part of the investigative team uh, as the principal investigator in 2018 when this really all started to really kick off. And um, she obviously was a big uh, support system, a big contributor to the book report to the governor. I, I'm always blown away by her because she's so articulate and she's so knowledgeable in the areas about this. Uh, they would love to see the reuniting of uh, McKinley, John's son, She's obviously very close to him, and that's been really tough on her. I know that. But she's from South Africa. And if you know anything about South Africans, oh. they are resilient. They are fighters. They're, They're tough, tough as shit. <laughs> I've been around a lot of them. Lance's I wife was, is South African, so he knows yeah, best. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that is, George just nailed that because that's the truth. Uh, I actually spent a lot of time in South Africa. I've worked with some of the uh, special operations teams there years ago teaching CQB, CQB techniques. Those are some tough sons of bitch, bitches, I'll tell you. And uh, so she's got an MBA degree. She's received honors and degrees in marketing, financial accounting, economics, business statistics, business strategy. I mean, the list goes on. But what's most important is she has brought the receipts on this along with John. And there, there's nothing in here that hasn't been documented. What is the most appalling thing, as you know, I'm not a big fan of several politicians in Arizona. And tonight we're going to nail that down. So let's not let's not waste any more time, John. I mean, uh, George. Let's bring our guests on. <laughs> we had two Georges on uh, yesterday, yesterday, which made it difficult. Hey guys, John, how are you? Hi. Man? I'm good. How are you? Very good, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you, Lance. Did I nail? Did I nail the South African thing? How tough you guys are? Well, ask Elon Musk. 
<laughs> yeah. He's a tough SOB. He's not playing. He's gone after the deep state. I like him so far. Yeah. I like what he's doing. I'd like him to fix some of the algos on X because I still think conservative voices and important stories are being suppressed. I still think there's some foxes in that hen house. Some of those leftover Jack Dorsey, liberal, communist, fascists. That's what I think. <laughs> so, well, let him know. He'll fix it. So, you guys, I, I guess... You know, this is such a complicated story, and we only have a limited amount of time. So I'm just going to go through. You guys had a little section of the book where you go, the book, part one. So that's a summary of the findings uh, along with descriptions of the racketeering enterprises and corruption. It explains the money laundering and the schemes used to perfect it. This section also includes facts and figures evidencing the damage caused by the criminal enterprise. And then it can, uh, finally it contains information on the child abduction, how Arizona came to rank number two in the U.S., uh, and then number two invites you into more personal narrative after being an automobile collision. Do you ever wonder what might happen if you've taken a different route? So that's that's obviously route number two. Number three is covers the not so chance meeting with Brittany, which we know at this point that was you were an intended target, John. We covered that before. The family's involvement in racketeering and corruption with the cartels and how it became the subject of the investigation with Brittany's co- cooperation at first. Uh, and then, of course, she flip flopped. Uh, part four discusses the specific findings, racketeering, corruption, election fraud with examples. And obviously, you've never thrown out these accusations. I know you guys have always done that. But let's talk about when you guys left here last time. I had great hopes. I thought we helped you get the story out there. I thought that a lot of other people did. And can you take us from uh, just a quick short bio for any of the listeners that haven't heard the story before, what the story is? And then update us to from when you guys were here when the last time we interviewed, which was was about eight months ago, you think? Yeah, about eight months ago. About eight months ago. So take us from, you know, give them a quick run through of what the story was about, Jacqueline, and I want you to also tell them about how you made that presentation. And then let's go right into what's happened since then, and we'll talk about the book as part of that. All right, let me let me go back a few steps for everybody. Uh, my office investigates racketeering, as you said. Uh, I had investigated a case back in 2010-2011 regarding uh, organized crime with uh, Russian mafia, Russian organized crime in Los Angeles. Uh, and in 2014, I, I investigated uh, a, a continuing issue, which is what the book tends to be about, which is about money laundering systems that had worked their way through the Midwest, mostly from drug money that had filtered into property purchases in Arizona. Uh, In about 2006, 2007, the US Justice Department had busted a number of people who had been involved in drug trafficking, mostly out of Chicago, and had taken the money that they had made off of the drug trafficking and had invested it in single family residences throughout Indiana, Iowa, uh, Illinois, et cetera. Uh, when this was busted, we tell the story in the book about, and it's a strange story about how this got busted, but when the DEA ultimately busted this ring and found this money, they busted a whole number of brokers and real estate agents and appraisers and others who had been involved, not just simply the drug dealers. And one of the things that they found is that almost all of the broker agents involved in the transactions also had ties to the state of Arizona. Uh, A lot of them had houses there. So I was asked in 2014 to investigate whether or not monies that had filtered through the houses that had been purchased, uh, mostly in Iowa at that point, had filtered into Scottsdale and Phoenix and some of the other cities you know, in Maricopa County, Arizona. Uh, and so that's how I began this process was in 2014. We did that investigation in 2014. We reached conclusions 
that money had in fact been transferred. Uh, and that was kind of the end of it. And I finished that part of the investigation about three weeks, literally three weeks before I met Brittany Chavez. And, you know, my meeting of Brittany Chavez was not directly connected or didn't seem to be. Um, we dated, we fell in love, we got married. Uh, we even had a child in 2017, that's McKinley. Uh, and in early 2018, when I went to prepare some trust documents for us, now having a child, I found a number of deeds and related recorded documents that told me that her family was directly involved in money laundering through property purchases. Um, that's not so unusual, uh, but certainly very disheartening. And when I went to ask questions about this, I was kind of shut out, you know, with silly answers of, well, yeah, that looks like my signature. Well, maybe that's my signature, but I don't know what that document is, et cetera, which is just utter nonsense. Um, in two th by the end of 2018 and early 2019, that had filtered into other criminal areas where we had found, um, and really not so much by looking, but we had found that other criminal areas were covered uh, by Brittany and her family, which included, as we talked about in the book, talked about insurance fraud, payroll theft, uh, bribery, corruption, uh, you know, things like that. And, and it just grew and grew and grew. So this thing that looked like it was a problem that was maybe isolated to her family grew and grew into a much bigger problem and then started to take shape as having a direct connection to my investigation in 2014. And, you know, that's what led to our investigation. We investigated in 2019, 20, 21, 22, into the beginning of 2023. Uh, what we found and how we found it, the evidence that we used, uh, the expert analyses that were involved in all of this are all included in the book. One of the things to say about the book is that in addition to being a 630 page book, uh, we have in there over 500 footnotes that then refer to over 5,000 pages of documents. Uh, we wanted readers of this book to see everything, to know everything and to you know to understand the processes that we use in our investigation so as you said the first section of the book gives you an overview you know both of the state of arizona and the problems that occur in the state of arizona and a little bit about why that is you know and how that is and also something i think that's very important for most people to understand how that affects people's daily lives because one of the things that often happens is that Things like money laundering sound very victimless. If I buy a property with drug money and then I sell the property, you know, how, how is that victimizing the average person on the street? Well, one of the things we try to discuss in there at, at the beginning is how that has affected the state in such negative ways that everybody who is a citizen of the state of Arizona is negatively impacted by it. The second chapter, like you said, is kind of a primer both on you know how we do investigations and you know, kind of in early stages of, of leading up to my meeting with Brittany Chavez, uh, so that people understand other investigations I've been involved in and the investigations that led to where we got starting in 2019 with this big investigation. Uh, then we go into, as you said, section three is all about the big investigation. And it's told from a very personal angle. You know, my relationship with Brittany, how I discovered what she and her family were involved in, what we did about it, and then how the investigation grew from there. And then section four is all the results. So we take all of those you know, areas of racketeering that we talked about in the beginning of the book, and we give you actual examples of what we found, how we found it, the documents that support it and prove it, uh, and so on. 
Um, and then, you know, there's a little epilogue at the end where I try to tell everybody, as you mentioned earlier, you know, not to give up hope. The fact that, you know, every government agency is not flooding our phones, is not investigating everything that we've written, is not necessarily a reason to give up hope. There are things that go on behind the scenes, things that we don't necessarily tell the public for, for obvious reasons. Um, but it's it's as much as, you know, you can't get the Justice Department or the FBI necessarily to show up on your door, take your evidence and go run with it. There are other agencies within the federal government that are investigating. Uh, I think they do a very good job. They work with us very closely. And the other thing to, to mention here is that, as you said, we didn't just find this going on in Arizona. The focus of this book is Arizona, but we talk about other states as well. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that attorneys general, unlike Arizona, attorneys general in these other states have been very, very welcoming to me. Uh, they have looked at evidence very carefully and they have actually taken action based on the evidence we've presented. Arizona is a unique problem to itself where it is very hard to get things done because of the overall corruption that, that exists there. How many states, if I remember, was it 21 states that you found corruption in like this? Yeah, and it doesn't mean I'm trying it to jog exist. my memory from the last interview. No, you got it. And it's not like it's not necessarily more than that. But in terms of the things that we looked at, for example, the bankruptcy fraud that we looked at that's connected to this exists in 11 states. We found that the property purchases and the movement of money through the buying and selling of properties and falsified mortgages was at least 20 other states. And let me um, quantify this for a minute, John, with the audience. So we're talking about Russian mob. We're talking about multiple cartels. Any other criminal organizations? I know the Russians were in L.A. or California in your book. Uh, and obviously we've got multiple cartels operating and participating in this. Was there any other, like what I want to call transnational gangs that you were able to identify through this investigation? Yes, and I wouldn't even call them necessarily transnational gangs because I think that that gives people the impression that there's a Netflix documentary on them. Um, it's, not, it's not as simple, but also not as complicated as that. You know, one of the things that we trace at the beginning of the book is the Chinese involvement both with, with two different organizations. One is with the drug cartels. Most people now know that fentanyl is supplied almost exclusively by the Chinese government and by what is you know Chinese government organized crime. Uh, they supply almost all of the chemical components, uh, both for fentanyl and also oftentimes for crystal meth directly to Mexican drug cartels. The other thing that most people don't know is both the Chinese and Mexican drug cartels have a direct pipeline, have a direct relationship now with the Mormon church. And you see this you know, more and more going forward. And it's, it's more and more dangerous than people thought it was. So one of the things we discussed at the beginning of the book is kind of the more macro picture here of what's going on, because a lot of this is fed from China. And as much as we talk about you know, the problems with China, you know, think about it this way. You know, if you've seen, if you know somebody in your family or friends or your group who has died from a fentanyl overdose or is hooked on drugs, is, is hooked on crystal meth, you can thank the Chinese government for that. Um, yeah. It is a way in which they infiltrate the United States. And they now have done so not only using the cartels, but to a large degree using the Mormon church. And that's probably the part of the story that most people would not have thought of from what we were investigating. Um, I'm now working with a production team. Uh, I've been asked to consult with a production team that is making for Netflix uh, a 10-part series uh, on the Mormon church involving child trafficking, in involving the drug issues, involving purchases of properties, you know, on behalf of Chinese. 
and a number of other things, which are, you know, not what anybody really thought, say, even five years ago. It's certainly not what we thought we were looking at, you know, in 2019. Yeah, there, there had been some connections when I was a uh, when I was a younger guy living in New York that the Mormon church was actually participating with money laundering with the uh, the organized uh, criminal car, uh, mafia in New York, that they were actually assisting them with that laundering. Listen, I want to kick over to Jackie for a minute. So, Jackie, just give everybody a quick update about that testimony you gave. And then I'd like to hear from you since that testimony, which I thought was going to really blow the roof off of this. That, that testimony you gave, it went viral. It was all over the place. We had you on the show. I think we were the first interview. I mean, we were just getting inundated with requests. I talked to the Gateway Pundit about your story, Jim Hoff and them. I was I was literally screaming from the rooftops how important this was and how heroic that you guys had put yourselves on the line to put it out there and really name names. So <laughs> just give the audience a quick follow-up on that and then kind of tell me, uh, get us to date now to where we're at the book. Don't forget, Lance, it's Shut Up Wendy Rogers, too. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Yeah, thank God. I was tired of listening to Wendy Rogers. That's for sure, George. Good point, George. Thank you. <laughs> well, Wendy Rogers looked like she was literally um, going gray before my eyes when I gave that testimony. Um, anyway, yes, I gave a test testimony to a joint committee meeting of both the legislator and the um, the uh, uh, um well, I Sorry. think it was both the House and Senate House, committee. Senate, yeah. Senate. Thank you, John. Right. I went yeah. blank. Okay. So um, uh, on, on um, uh, election integrity, my apologies. And yes, um, we thought it would blow the roof of things too. And it did for a while. Um, I appeared on your show. I appeared on many shows. The um, We got over 12 million hits, I think, on Twitter. Um which is now X, I guess. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, yes, you know, it was a very um, important uh, testimony. But to date, we have not seen any results from it. Um, you know, we had some of the media, some of the, the mainstream media really try and tear me down, try and tear John down, try and tear the story down, try and prove us to be completely, complete liars, to be, um, you know, whatever they could do to discredit us, they were doing. Uh, and, you know, even though we spoke with them personally, we gave them receipts, we um, offered to show them, you know, more detail. We were an open book. You know, as I said in the testimony, we were quite happy to share with anyone who wanted to sit down with us, and I wasn't talking about people who some of the some of the people in in the Arizona legislature would come back and say, "Oh, we looked at this. Nothing to see here, folks." Um, sure. Yeah, they looked at it for a weekend and they looked at my testimony. Well, my testimony was a thirty to forty-five minute, you know, absolute drop in the ocean. Of but you gave three thousand pages to Doug Ducey. Correct, we did. Who was the governor of the state of Arizona? And that had a lot of details in it. And of course, what did he do? Nada. He did nada. And, you know, and I mean, look, he was up for election. He didn't want to lose the Mormon vote. He, you know, whatever it was, um, yes, he did nothing. And we really thought that, you know, now at, you know, beginning of 2022, we would really, especially with what had gone on with the local elections in Arizona and with Katie Hobb and, you know, Hobbs and, and, and you know, um, uh, um, uh, what's her what name? Um, 
yeah, a, well, Abe not getting the, the appointment. Um, you know, we, we really thought that, you know, something would happen. But I would, I would have taken that bet. Had you offered me, I'm not a gambling man. Had John said, what's your money? I'd have said, well, I got, I got to put five grand on the win here. I feel like this is going to be a complete home run. Because that report, I mean, it had every detail about the Sinaloa cartel. It had stuff in there about Katie Hobbs. It had money laundering. It had, and we have in in the book. Sorry, uh, yeah, Len, no, that's you know, okay. We have in the book great details about Katie Hobbs and and how corrupt you know she is and how she does not belong in that spot. And I have no problem saying that. You know, um, she should not be governor of Arizona. She is not. She was not the elected governor of Arizona, and you know, she's a cheating um, crook. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and everything she's done in Arizona to date. Um, has not been for the benefit of the state. And so, you know, there's absolutely, you know, I I, I, don't, I still don't understand it. More importantly, I don't understand how John hasn't gotten his son back. How do you give, how do I give a report like that? Okay, I make this yeah. completely public. We have 12 million views, okay, and no law enforcement agency steps up and says, you know, besides anything else, we have to figure out what's going on with this little boy. Well, you would think... Considering what the case is and considering the information you provided to many agencies, including the FBI and others, you would think that they would feel indebted to the information you provided. And in return, they would go into overdrive because, let's face it, based on her violations of what she did, who knows whether he's in Mexico or not, uh, the truth is it's kidnapping. Because once you violate those, those orders by a court when it comes to joint custody or otherwise, now you've gone into the mode of kidnapping, which is an FBI case. And, and we're talking about really international corruption here. What I think is, you know, and, and Katie Hobbs, look, we know she's a crook. We know she cheated. We know she wasn't the elected governor of, uh, you know, Arizona. Uh, but at the end of the day, the inaction and the ineffectiveness and the lack of well, effort by Carrie Lake, Wendy Rogers, and so many others in Arizona about doing something about this and they're just ignoring it. I mean, Katie, I mean, Carrie Lake's big issue is being down at uh, Mar-a-Lago for every event and the hopes, uh, every event and the hopes that somebody's going to appoint her, you know, anoint her uh, VP choice of Trump's, you know what I mean? Uh, I just- well, Chris uh, Mays, you know, Chris Mays, who's the, 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 the um, uh, attorney general of Arizona, she absolutely is aware of the story. You know, yeah. she knows about my presentation. She knows about the book. She knows about the, you know, the situation with McKinney. And she has done absolutely nothing. I mean, really, the back stops with her. I mean, if anyone has the power to do something, she does. Well, when you start thinking about that, we're talking about an interstate and interstate criminal organization, right? We're talking about banking laws being violated. We've got all kinds of issues with banking because we see that Wells Fargo and many other banks were involved, right? You're talking about money laundering operations that are going across state lines, which makes it the Commerce Clause. You're talking about a very sophisticated organization, and this should be hot to trot. But instead, our FBI chooses to chase down teachers and grandmothers that were inside the rotund taking photos during what was supposed to be a peaceful process, but of course we know it was a Fed surrection now. We know they've covered it up. They'd rather focus on that. They'd rather take our U.S. Air Marshals and stick them down at the border making sandwiches for illegal immigrants, which the numbers we're getting are 15 million with the gotaways, maybe more, because the gotaways nobody's been able to put their finger on. 
I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm shocked here because let's face it, one of the great things the government loves to do in these cases, they want to seize assets. And uh, I have to say that the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints has got some serious assets. So if you could get them for money laundering, the fines and penalty and seizures would probably be hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, you, we're talking about properties that you guys could identify that were laundered items. You would yeah. think the seizures alone would have this greedy government, federal well, and state salivating, wouldn't they? Yeah, let, let me let me let me address that for a moment because I, I think you know people have some interesting ideas about how, especially federal agencies, function. Uh, one of the things I talk about in the in, in the book, and I think it's very important for people to understand, is that. The level of corruption that you're talking about in Arizona did not happen overnight, and it didn't happen just because of drug money. You know, one of the, one of the reasons why we have that first section of the book is so that people better understand that Arizona has a number of unique features, both um, you know geography features uh, and just kind of the way the state was originally set up. It is very different in some ways and very unique to how other states are set up which led to a lot of localized organized crime over the years, long before drugs touched it. What drugs really did is they really took something that was you know, a, a number of localized issues with corruption and pushed them out of being local and into more of a statewide corruption. When I was working on the, the, the issue in 2010 and 11 with Russian organized crime in Los Angeles, one of the things that was going on at the same time was that the state of Arizona was actually running an audit of its state agencies because there was a belief, which turned out to be true, that Russian organized crime monies were being laundered through Arizona state agencies. And that wasn't what I was investigating. I have spoken to the investigators and the accountant auditors. And, and again, we talk about this in the book, who actually did the investigations, uh, did the financial investigations and did the, the criminal investigations. Uh, there were arrests made. But the problem here is, and this is what I, I really want people to take away from this, is that there is almost no aspect at this point of any institution in the state of Arizona that is not subject to some form of racketeering. And, you know, we think of this as being necessarily that somebody's on the take. That's probably true to a degree. But as we talk about in the book, you know, it's not just the money laundering. It's not just the corruption, the bribery. It's the computer infiltration so that almost every system of, of computerization you know, that made Arizona modern has also been totally, completely corrupted. You know, you at the beginning, you know, you talked about, Lance, at the beginning uh, about the issue of the voting machines. And certainly we don't disagree with the problems with the voting machines. But the difference in Arizona and especially in Maricopa County is that the, the hacks and, and the infiltrations into the systems it has, has little to do with voting machines. It has to do with getting into the recorder's website and the recorder's databases that actually collect the vote totals. So in addition to the mail-in ballots, which we'll talk about in a minute, which were fraudulent, in addition to the mail-in ballots, the other big part of the fraud in Maricopa County especially, and probably also is the same in Pima County, which is where Tucson is located, and Yuma County, where, where Yuma is located, is that the infiltration into the recorder's database allows for the numbers to be changed. So even if you use absolutely perfectly run uh, you know, voting systems, even, even if all the voting electronic systems work just fine, even as they didn't uh, you know, in November 2022, uh, you know, all the voting machines tabulated properly and scanned properly, even if all that were true, the ability to hack into the databases where that information is then dumped before it's released to the public 
makes it so that it doesn't make any difference whether you've got good or bad machines. You're not even getting there. The actual vote counts are manipulated from within the databases themselves. And that's a very scary proposition. And one of the reasons why Arizona is in the mess that it's in is because in order to clean this up, you have to wipe out the entirety of all your computer databases, all your computer systems. And I mean, for the state, for the local governments, for the counties, and you've got to almost rebuild this from scratch. And that's not counting all of the individuals who have been involved in the corruption who would have to be who would have to be thrown out of office. By the time you're done, you not only have a bankrupt state, you have a totally non-functioning state. And the problem is, and this was the problem, I think, with, with Doug Ducey, and it's the problem certainly would have been with Carrie Lake had she won, or even with anybody who actually wants to do the right thing, is that the right thing here is billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that the state simply doesn't have to correct a huge widespread problem uh, that isn't going to be fixed overnight. Now, there are you know brilliant political scientists like myself who have sat around for years and have worked through these problems and have designed ways to, you know, how you deal with this. You know, we've designed this before for court systems where there's a lot of corruption and you have a whole lot of judges who are going to have to be removed. This is on a scale, you know, that's, that's you know, exponentially more than that. Because, you know, like, for example, we talk in the book about falsified liens on, on you know, on Medicaid claims, you know, for, for car accidents. Um, you know, we've got 25,000 falsified liens collecting over 100, 100 to 150 million dollars. That didn't happen right. in the absence of somebody in the Medicaid office allowing these to go through. So every time you see one of these corruptions that we have found, there's always going to be you know, a number of inside people who are directly involved in allowing them to happen. They didn't happen simply from the outside. And so no, that there's no means- doubt. You have to yeah. have external extortion at this level, because obviously I saw in your book and I was intrigued immediately. I need to get a hold of the hackers. I would like to get a medical license gone ahead and put in the system and an attorney, a license to practice law in Arizona. It looks like they can just put those into the system. I can just get them like this that well, easy. I'm joking, but I'm going to have you guys hold the thought for a minute because we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, uh, let's continue this, John. And what I really want to dig into here for a minute is – uh, the cartels and how sophisticated they have become with this interaction with state government and federal government, because you have really got a chokehold on them as far as the information you guys dug up, because I don't think anybody has done anything in the last 24 months that I've seen that has this amount of detail. All right, listen, you guys, Big Mac Mafia subscribers and listeners, don't you guys go anywhere. We're going to be dropping more truth and bombs when we come back. George. for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. 
patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98, or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now. Welcome back to the Big Big Show. Here we are, your host, Lance Miliacho, yours truly co-host, George Ballantine, and our special guests, Jonathan Taylor and Jacqueline Brieger. So, you know, we got a whole lot of corruption from the state levels all the way down to the town levels, from money laundering with drugs, corruption, ballots. You know what we don't have? Arrests. We don't got nothing. We have all this evidence and we got no arrests. Tell me, yeah. how is that possible in this day and age that we got nothing? Yeah. So here's but, a little but, something, but, Lance. Hold on. Yeah. What are you watching? What are you watching? Yeah, exactly. I like your meme. I, you know, That's not mine. I, for us, Rube Q made that. Ruby Q made that. Thanks, Rube. 
Yeah, thanks, Ruby. We we you know we talk to a lot of ex FBI agents, a lot of ex uh, you know different organizations without naming names within our federal government. They're whistleblowers for the most part, and uh, the ineffectiveness of these agencies in this point is a regular topic on this show. We're disgusted. I'm just when I look at this and I look at the racketeering and the conspiracy and the concurrent criminal enterprise and all the drug violations with the money laundering and all the assets and all the, you know, the manipulation and the insurance. I mean, this is a massive case, but at least you think they'd pick one part of it and take a bite out of it. Right. You would think that when people like you come forward and Jackie, yeah. I want you to respond to this first, you know. It has let me say this to you is, is nicely. Like, how is there anybody of any of these groups? You said there's been a little bit of interaction, but has anybody in Arizona dug their hooks into this all constitutional sheriffs or anybody? Not in Arizona. So no. what states just give me can you name the states that are actually getting off their ass and, and maybe taking a look at this that maybe they're going to do something about it? What states might be investigating this? Yeah, let me let me talk to that a little bit, because I have met with attorneys general in five other states and with their investigative teams in, in these states. Um, you know, it's funny. The way I am treated in Arizona is literally as a criminal. The way I am treated in other states that I visit is I, I not hero is not the right word, but certainly with a great deal of respect, uh, you know, for what I've done. It, it's almost like night and day. Uh, other states have taken action. And we talk about this in the book. Um, you know, we don't, we don't say everything that's going on and everything that's going on behind the scenes, uh, but we talk about this in the book that a number of states have taken action. One, one thing, for example, is in California, where we had an issue of phantom lawyers, you know, uh, fake, fake, totally fake profiled lawyers being within I the state bar roles. Yeah, we've I been saw, able... That's where I wanted to get my free uh, law license to practice law in these states. <laughs> just have them stick me in the computer. That way I can have multiple licenses across well, states. Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit about that because I think that's, that's very important. Um, yeah. One of the things that, that, that we have grown greatly concerned with, and not, not just in Arizona, certainly in California as well, and, and in other states, is that you can now, because everything is electronic, you know, it's great for convenience. The problem is, is that if I wanted a, a, a medical degree uh, from, say, UCLA tomorrow, I could have a friend of mine in the registrar's office create a profile for me and literally put in that I have an MD. And if I really wanted to get real creative and had the time to do it, I could actually put in a whole course load and grades that I received and have a class ranking. Um, you know, that should be very scary. George, would you like to be a plastic surgeon? Because I think George and I would like to be plastic surgeons. <laughs> um, no, the staff thing, sorry, one quick boy, thing. I want, you to, I want you to give me your thoughts, Jack. I want to be a judge so I can start ago. ruling on our cases for us. Oh, that's, that's a, hey, that's a good idea. Can yeah. you make me a federal judge? There you go. <laughs> you, even, you know that's, the problem is? I wouldn't, last very, I wouldn't last very long because I would actually follow the law. Yeah. Go ahead, Jack. Well, even do the other judges, so why not, Lance? The other judges don't follow the law, so why not join them? But for no, our but see, side. if I follow the law, I'll get fired probably because, you know, that's you're right, George. They don't follow the law. Jackie, go ahead. One of the what I think is one of the saddest things about Arizona is it's not like they don't know. You know, I was one of five presenters on that day. I think people seem to forget that, that the whole day was dedicated to, you know, um, looking at the inte election integrity. And they had some ex excellent speakers. Um, come before me. I happened to not be there the whole day, but I, I did catch some of the speaker before me. And, you know, he was very um, 
clear about the the ability of people for of anyone to basically get into the the system, the computer systems, you know, so it was something that he was actually specifically talking about was how those computer systems have been compromised. So, you know, they didn't just hear that from me. Um, and I, I found that very interesting. You know, it's not like something they don't know. They are so aware of the failed systems in Arizona. The saddest part is that nobody will do anything about it. It's it's disgusting because we're talking about fake licenses, fake identities, fake credentials, fake medical degrees, fake legal degrees, whatever they need, they're putting into the system and they're giving people whatever, uh, you know, whatever uh, GPA they want at whatever institution they supposedly graduated. It would seem obvious that there's insiders there and you would think that they would want to fix it. Well, let me give you, let me, Lance, let me give you a bit, bigger example of that. Um, we have, for example, a real estate, a licensed real estate agent slash broker named Arlene Chavez. Arlene has a license in California, has a license in Arizona, has a license in Colorado. There is no Arlene Chavez. Arlene Chavez is Brittany Chavez. Uh, this should be pretty obvious because when we go through the documents, in all three of those states, all the real estate documents in all three of those states, the signature is exactly the same. And of course, you know, we use very, very, you know, well, you know, well-versed, uh, you know, uh, forensic uh, question documents examiners to examine our documents. And they all conclude the same thing, that this is Brittany Chavez's handwriting. I mean, this is a really close call. And, you know, but try to deal with the Department of Real Estate in California, the Department of Real Estate in, in Arizona, and the Department of Real Estate in Colorado, you know, which regulate and license these things. Uh, now, you know, it's, maybe it's, I should it's show like talking up, to yourself. Those, John, maybe I should throw up those documents you gave us showing the comparisons of her signature right now since we're talking about her signing documents. Is this a good time to put this up? Yeah, why don't you, if the best ones you can show at the moment are the, are the deed documents, um, and we can go through them a little bit. We, we sent you several, I, I think, yeah. two deed, about these? deed documents with a comparative signature. This? Is that one of them right there? I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Huh? Oh, okay. You can't see it backstage. <laughs> oh. Okay. So oh, he's got a, he's on his phone, George. Oh so, yeah. So, so here's my, there you go. Now I can see that. Yeah. Oh. There you go. All right. So let me explain what this is. This was actually what started and launched the whole investigation. Uh, what you see on one side of that is a document that says you know Justin E. Chavez, and another one that says Brittany Chavez, Brittany R. Chavez. And, you know, the problem is, is that there's not that many Brittany Chavez's in the world. Well, not real Brittany Chavez's in the world. Um, so you see that, you see those signatures there. Um, then, you know, during the, during the course of our marriage, uh, Brittany worked at a law firm. She was a trial paralegal. And she, you know, inadvertently, without thinking, signed a receipt, uh, you know, for a, uh, for a charity that, there it is right there. Uh, for a charity that her law firm was doing for Christmas, it was a uh, you know save the dogs kind of charity that they were they were funding, and of course she wound up not thinking about it, signing it in a signature which of course matches the signature on the deeds, and you know and and like I said, people don't have to take our word for it. You know we have a forensic you know report uh, from a, a a forensic question documents expert Linda Mitchell who has examined the signatures, who has written a report. The report appears in, in, in both the book. I think some of those documents do. The report appears in the book. And the entirety of Linda Mitchell's reports appear in the footnote section of the book so that people can read the entire analysis that was done. 
Um, I mean, that, those are the documents that started it all. Those are the documents I found originally in 2018, which told me there was something wrong. One, although you see the signatures there, first problem is that the full document says that Justin Chavez and Brittany Chavez are married. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if that's not fun enough, that Brittany and Justin are married, uh, Brittany and Justin are not only married buying properties in Arizona, the two of them, Brittany e. Chavez, uh, Justin E. Chavez and Brittany R. Chavez, were also buying properties in New Mexico. Who knew? Um, so, you know, that's how, it's, that's how it started. And then when you can find, you know, when you can find confirming signatures like we could find on that 2018 receipt, you know, there's not really a lot of wiggle room there. It's your signature, dear. Why is it there? And of course, to this day, you know, I, I could never, I can never get an answer. There's never an answer to be given. Uh, but that's a good example, you know, of where this fraud began. Now, over the course of the investigation, you know, we looked at probably about 20, 25,000 recorded documents where we could catalog, you know, who wrote them. We we have a te- you know, we've created a team of people to look at these, and we have you know, about four or five different people whose signatures appear on these falsified documents consistently. Of course, Brittany is one of them. Her mother, Donna Ray Chavez, is not only one of them as well, but Donna Ray Chavez's signature of documents goes into other states. Falsified deeds uh, with, with Donna's signature on them go into Cook County, Illinois, which is which is Chicago. Uh, Brittany has more contemporary documents that match up with our investigation um, and I'll get to this document in a second, but match up with our investigation, uh, you know, into um, uh, Iowa and into Indiana. So these things don't just affect, don't you know, don't just affect Arizona. But as we said, you know, we looked at stuff monies coming from Iowa and Indiana coming into Arizona. Well, we found evidence of Brittany's signatures in um, in Polk County, um, uh, Iowa, which is Des Moines, and Lake County, uh, Indiana, which is Gary, Indiana. So, you know, she's all over the place. It's not just not just isolated to Arizona. If you put up that second document that you were ju- you just had a second yeah, I'm ago. I'll give you all three in a second. You want all three that come with this document? No, I just I just need the two pages on that are fine. I think there's two pages for that do- for that document you were just showing. Okay, hold on. Mm, that'd be this one. Please, because we also have the phony corporation one. I think that's the one. That's, yeah, that's what we're talking about, the phony corporation one. Talking about these two? Pony Corporation. There they are. Okay. So one of the ways that money, that money is laundered is through the setup of, you know, what we would call dummy corporations. You know, and everybody's kind of heard of dummy corporations. It's what businesses use to move money where they don't want people to know, you know, who's actually in charge of the corporation. Uh, the, co- the company that you see is one that's allegedly run by a Daniel Chavez. Of course, Daniel Chavez is a fictitious person. He doesn't exist. He's another pseudonym used by both Brittany and Donna to run monies. On the right, what you see there is you see Brittany's handwriting. That is that is Brittany's handwriting. They are our forensic, you know, question documents examiner has confirmed it as Brittany's handwriting. Although anybody who is now seen like we have her handwriting can confirm this very easily. Uh, and this is just an, an example of a dummy corporation set up through the Arizona Corporations Commission uh, to run and launder money. That's what it's for, and that's what it does. Uh, you know, and what what we have on these, this is going to dovetail into our Katie Hobbs discussion. What we have on these is probably you know hundreds that we've now found hundreds of these dummy corporations um, that you know that that are totally completely run 
for the sake of laundering cash. That's all they do. Now, uh, these dummy corporations, is it primarily real estate or is it fake entity businesses? Is it yeah. you know, well, they're both or pizza parlors or something right. else that they're using as money laundering uh, hubs? Yeah, most, yeah, mostly mostly the businesses are either in are, are one or two areas, either in real estate itself, like real estate investment, real estate purchases, et cetera, or they are in financing of some sort. And this gets us to the Katie Hobbs problem. John, well, I, want, when I, want to, I want to ask you something on the yeah. documents real quick. Sorry to interrupt. So, obviously, you and Jacqueline, you did all the hard work, all the investigative work, and found all these documents with the fraud and everything. So, given all this information with the receipts to the police, sheriffs, whoever you want, any law enforcement agency is like handing them a silver platter, correct? Correct. So, they don't have to do no really no hard work, more detailed work, it's all there. Work, yeah. So all I got to do it's is, you there. know, just maybe verify it's there, da, 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 da. what, a couple days, a week's worth of work, and then start giving the indictments out. But what do we have? How many indictments we got? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Zero. Let me hold it up. It's a big goose egg, and no, that's yeah. not some stupid Illuminati well, hand sign. I'm doing the we got egg. this. This is what we got, Lance. Like that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the incredible part, because... How much, okay, and I got to ask this. I'm going to ask Jackie first, and then I'm going to ask you, John. Jackie, how many hours do you think you have into this investigation right now? Oh, geez. Um, too many. <laughs> At least, oh, God, thousands, thousands upon thousands. Um, I mean, we're talking literally four years of yeah. day and night, um, you know, working on all of this. I, I can't even put a number of hours. I do know that my business suffered, you know, my relationships with my kids because I was always working on this but because it means so much to me. Um, but, yeah, no, enormous amount of hours. Um, I mean, 10,000 hours is the line that they say you need to have 10,000 hours as any one hobby or any one <laughs> study to become an expert. It well, sounds that clearly you're an expert. maybe the first three months. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, seriously. I mean, you know, we literally ate, slept, and drank this investigation. You know, there wasn't a minute that we weren't, or you know, talking about it, analyzing, looking at documents. Yeah. It's just, it, it just, it just engulfed us. Um, well, and then there's but something. I do have there's a funny story before John gets in. I do, I do want to put this one in, which is very funny, talking about those documents. Um, there was a time when John, you know, had custody of McKinley before September 2020. And we were working on this and we were working on some documents and McKinley was playing. And the next thing he came up to his dad and he looked down at a document and he said, hey, that's mama. <laughs> that's mama's writing. So, you know, yeah. we have document experts and yeah. everything. So we even have a little two-year-old who said, hey, that's my yeah. mama's writing. Out of the mouth of babes comes the truth. Exactly. You, know, yeah. but you think about the hours you have come in, right? So you would think that. Uh, Katie Hobbs, you know, or the Wendy Rogers or Carrie Lake or any other individual down in uh, Arizona or any agency, federal or state, they would be contacting you guys because you would be the experts because none of them would have these kind of hours in uh, to match up these documents and match the signatures. I can't imagine how time consuming you wish there was AI to do it. Maybe eventually there would be. But right now you don't have any AI. So, John, how many hours do you think you have in this total story? Because obviously you were deep into it early on how many hours do you think from the early investigation where they were targeting you with Brittany? well something something i want to say about this because i think this is one of the biggest misunderstandings about what we do what i do what my office does 
Um, one of the things that, that it's the number is probably close to close to 10,000 hours for me, I, I think almost for sure. But there's something that needs to be said about this. Um, you know, most of the people who work on my team and it's a team, you know, one of the things that was said about us early on is they said, oh, this is just, you know, the Jackie and John show as if it's just Jackie and John who are involved in this. Uh, it's just Jackie and John who are doing this and they have nothing better to do except to harass his ex-wife, et cetera, et cetera. What people don't understand. Hey, and, George, and, you want to switch us back? Oh, hold on. Sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> My bad. There you go. There you uh, go. Go ahead. One of the things I wanted to say about this that I think is, is absolutely important to note uh, is most of the people on my team are highly skilled and uh, do a, an absolutely incredible job, and there's a number of them. And the ones who, you know, would allow it, we put into the acknowledgments in this book. Um, you know, I acknowledge people, you know, for the sake of they're wonderful people, for sure. But I acknowledge, which is something I normally don't do, a number of team members here so that people can see, you know, what the team is like here. Um, it is not simply just me. It is not simply just Jackie and me. Um, you know, we've had a, we've had a, a, a very good team of people, uh, including several lawyers, including several accountants, including several forensic, you know, experts, you know, document experts. Yeah. Uh, we've had, you know, several uh, just top of the line researchers, people who know how to get through the Internet, you know, know what's true, know what information and is. I saw quite a few of those names in the forward yeah. of the book. So when you when you add up all of the hours, you know, certainly, you know, there's been more than 10,000 hours that were put into this before we ever got to a book. But it is absolutely a team effort. And, you know, with all the people I name in there, and I hope people, I don't, you know, acknowledgements are not the funnest thing to read, but I hope people will just, you know, kind of browse through there when they get the book, or if they have the book that they'll look at it, because it's all of those people who deserve, you know, everybody's thanks. You know, everybody here has worked tirelessly to do this. You know, I may be the face of it, and certainly Jacqueline became the face of it on the 23rd. Uh, of, of February, you know, 2023, when she made the presentation. But it, it involves the work of a lot of good people who really do care, and you know, certainly our patriots. They care about this country. The subject matter matters to them. It's not simply a paycheck for them. Uh, you know, they, they care I, about what's going on. But I think we on. have to make that point. You know, this isn't, and, and I, I want to say this to the audience. You guys have to realize that this is a labor of love in a way. I mean, this is for country and because obviously he wants to uh, hopefully get his son back through the process, but that's not the only reason. They, there's nobody funding this investigation. I mean, there were pieces of it that were getting funded by insurance companies and others at the front right. forefront, but these presentations, these hours of research, sure, hopefully, hopefully they can monetize the book. But at the end of the day, you guys have to realize that this is an incredibly time consuming. I mean, we, we don't do investigations that come even close to the work you guys have done. George and I are always investigating stories. We get whistleblowers that come to us. We get, you know, leaked information. We look at it to see whether it's credible, but it's nothing like this. It isn't 10, 20,000 hours. We might get, you know, 20, 30 hours into a story. We write a, we write a thread on it. But to write a book like this and to literally do what they're doing this is no joke, you guys, and you have to realize this is not easy to do. And what bothers me is that the, that, that the agencies should treat it like that, but they want to give a cursory look at the presentation you made when you only had you know 30 or 40 minutes to make your presentation, Jackie. And I'm, I'm actually offended by it, it angers me. So I guess, you know, we obviously want to give these people some hope, but when you, is well, there, one thing is, one thing I'd like what you to else do we is, need to cover here because I want to make sure well, the audience yeah. you know you put a nail in the coffin the two of you. Well, on one of the story. things I want to 
Lance, one of the things I'd like you to put up is that last document, which is the, the signature comparison document. Okay. Let's see which, George, do you have that one? Which one? The it's signature. the signature comparison document uh, of, of um, ballot signatures. Oh, this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. that's at the top. I got that, baby. Don't worry. I got it. <laughs> we got the receipts, you know? Yeah. We got the goods. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, they're, they're, let me explain a little bit about Maricopa County and what this document exactly is. Uh, when people in Arizona vote by mail, which is about 3 million total people who vote by mail, uh, keep in mind, Arizona is a state of about 8 million people. So 3 million votes by mail is an awful lot of mail-in ballot. Uh, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to sign the outer envelope and then place the ballot that they just marked inside the envelope and they mail it off. What then is supposed to happen is, now let's take Maricopa County, because this is where the disaster really hits. First, Maricopa County doesn't do this on its own. It relies on a company called Runbeck Election Services. Uh. And Runbeck Run is charged. <laughs> yeah, I, if you know yeah, Georgia, When we hear you know the Runbeck well. word, we want to run. Yeah. Runbeck Run is charged with doing several things. The first thing is, is that they're the ones who mail out the ballots. They're the ones who receive the mail-in ballots. They're the ones who examine the mail-in ballots, and they're the ones who ultimately tabulate them. So they do everything. Now, in case you didn't know, Runbeck Election Services is now is now majority owned by the family of the Speaker of the House of the House of of the House of Representatives for the state of Arizona. Nothing unethical about that. Nothing. Nothing even remotely contradictory there. Yeah, Ben Toma and the Toma family. Uh, purchase through their, by the way, through their real estate holding company. Yeah. Purchase the majority interest in Runback. They control Runback. Yeah, there's a great idea. Having the elected officials actually yeah. be in charge of counting the ballots. Great yeah, idea. That would be that would be like you guys calling me Doctor Miliacho at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the next thing that happens is is that when the mail-in ballot comes in. The signature on the the mail-in ballot envelope is compared to the signature that the person has used as their, you might say their official signature, usually one with the Department of Motor Vehicles, you know, or one that they've signed, you know, for, for a government document. So those signatures get compared. If you show that document, what you'll see there is that this is this is these are these are actual signatures from the ballots. And they are compared to the signatures of, you know, that are official, the ones that are from you know, the, 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 what's in Arizona called the MVD, the Motor Vehicle D Department. Um, and you'll see that there isn't a single signature that matches, not one. Yet, every one of those mail-in ballots was counted. Now, that's just the sampling that we have. So we actually were able to get from 2020, where, where Trump allegedly lost in Arizona, we were able to get a hold of probably about 100 or so signature samples. We, we know who's got all, all of the ballot samples, but we were able to get a hold of, of a number of them to test, and we were able to test them. And what you see there is just a random sampling of them that does two things. Not only does it show that the signatures in no way match and should never have been counted, but more importantly, we can identify, and we do in the book, identify several of those signatures as belonging specifically to specific people involved in the fraud. So we can not only tell you that the signatures are falsified or forged, we can tell you who did the forgery. Wasn't I want to tell you, and I want to let George, you go ahead, George. Real quick, I want to wasn't you. this brought up in um, one of Carrie Lake's, one of many of Carrie Lake's uh, court trials, when the um, ballot signature um, guy, he was checking the signature like, 
like three seconds, two seconds, it took him to check his signature. I think it was under yeah. a second. Yeah, well, let me, Whatever. Let me, it's let like, me get to that. Well, well let, me, let me get to that. If the, the system that they use originally is a computer system, it's not done by human beings. So when it first goes through and they first do the comparison, it's all done by a computer comparison system. So you talk about AI. Here's where AI doesn't work. One of the things that they do is they set that system at 10%. So if the right. signature match is a 10% match, it's all you need. That in 10, 11%, it passes. And then that's it. It passes, nothing else happens. Now, for anything further than that, and this is where you get to be a big deal, for the ones that originally are questioned, we don't even call them rejected, that are questioned. So the original ones that are questioned, and there's an issue with that, we'll get to in a minute, but the ones that are questioned, they're then brought to human observation, except that unlike what you saw in the 2000 election where people were holding up you know, dangling chads and partly indented chads, et cetera, and looking at them under the light, that doesn't happen here. Instead, they flash across a screen. So the person who's doing the examination at this point is looking at these on a screen, and they get about 1.8 seconds to look at the signature on the ballot envelope as to the comparison signature before it slides by them and they have to go to the next one. So within less than two seconds, they either have to hit a yes or no button. The result of it is this. In California and other states that have heavy mail-in balloting, they reject an average of 1.25%, okay? 1.25% of the ballots are rejected, okay? In Arizona, only 0.35% of the ballots are rejected. So Arizona only rejects one-fourth of what every other state that does ballots, you know, mail-in ballots, rejects. That basically tells you that Arizona is letting in tens of thousands of ballots that any other state would have wiped out and said are no good. That's the difference in Arizona. They know this. I mean, we do the calculations in the book. And frankly, what we do is we, in, in, in Section 4, where we talk about the election fraud more specifically, we actually do the calculations. We do the math for you. I, I, I'm bad at math, but I do it, and I do it for you here. And what we find is, is that when you do the calculations and you run Arizona as if it were every other state, Trump not only wins the state of Arizona in 2020, he wins by about three to 4,000 votes. Uh, and that's without looking at voting machines. That's without looking at whatever might have been disturbed directly within the voting database. He wins just on the mail-in ballot issue alone. And we show you the math of exactly how we do the calculation and how we get there and why what they do in Arizona is so is so heretical to what every other state does. You know, wow. I mean, it's, you know, and every time we hear about election fraud, uh, every time we hear about it, what always rings in my mind is the most safe and secure elect election, a uh, presidential election in history. What kind of bullshit is that? I mean, you guys are hearing it again on this show. We talk about it over and over again. There, the system is completely broken. Here's more proof. The receipts are in the book. Buy a copy of the book. See for yourself. Stop listening to your congressional uh, representative. Stop listening to Joe Con Man installed like a toilet Biden. And again, I'm going to say this. This is not about... For me, it's not about party politics. It's about people's vote counting. The vote's supposed to count, right? The contract with the U.S. government is to provide a free and fair election based on our Constitution and based on our statutes. And that's not what they've done. So I don't care whether you're a liberal or conservative. This should infuriate you. If you live in Arizona, 
your representatives should, every one of them should have to read this book cover to cover and they should be given a test because none of them are doing it. I asked Jackie a little while ago if they were surprised by seeing any names. Did they see that Carrie Lake bought a copy of the book? Did they see that Wendy Rogers bought a copy of the book? Did they see that Ducey bought a copy of the book? Her answer was a resounding no. Jackie, give it to him. Did anybody? Well, wait, 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 wait. Before you, before you go to Jackie on this, I sent out to Wendy Rogers a copy of the book. Yeah. Uh, to, I sent it to her, her, you know, her official email. Yeah. I, I didn't send it to her home or anything like that. I sent it to her official email with a covering note saying, you know, here's a copy of what we did. Uh, what I received back from her, which I posted on Twitter. Uh, was a nasty message saying, don't ever send me an email to this address ever again. Yeah, and as a public figure, that is not supposed to be a response. It's probably the best way to deliver that book would have been with a cinder block with the book mm -hmm. attached to it right through the roof of her house. You know, and that's my point. She is a public figure that was elected and put in place by the people of Arizona in, in her role as that and attempted to be a bigger role. My point is, that's not a choice. Here she is pissed off because you're putting evidence in her hands and she wants deniable accountability. That's my opinion. George, well, Lance, Lance, I think it's Lance, intentional. I want to see her really quick. John, I want to hear George. I don't want to ask Jackie also. Well, real, real, real quick, uh, real, quick yeah. this, I think, I think, well, real quick on this because I think it's important is that what most people also don't understand is that Arizona has a citizen legislature, meaning that legislative members only receive about $24,000 a year to be in the legislature. Uh, they don't receive, you know, a full, you know, what we consider a full salary that other states pay. So everybody has to have a day job. And what's most important here and most relevant for your audience is that more, almost 40%, 40% of the members of the legislature, you know what their day job is? Real estate. Surprise, surprise. I mean, if that isn't a link to corruption, obviously, uh, you know, if you've got the cartel backing you unlimited or if like we've seen documents with Katie Hobbs's name on it, I don't know how many other congressional members or state representatives have their signatures on these fake title deed documents or maybe where they were given an overvaluation, as we discussed in the previous interview. George, well, let, me, let, me, ask, let, me, let me say one more. I, I, I hate to interrupt. Let me say one more thing about that, because you brought it up earlier and I wanted to make sure we got this in because, again, it was something very important to you was about Katie Hobbs and about what kinds of things involve fraud here. One of the things that we look at is we didn't just look at, at signatures on documents. We certainly did an awful lot of that. But what we also looked at, what were the companies behind it? Who are the mortgage companies supplying the mortgages? Uh, who were the title companies, escrow companies handling title and escrow? And what we found was, is when we found, when we found elected officials uh, with deed problems, you know, when we looked at the signatures and the notarizations and found problems there, we almost invariably found only certain companies, certain companies handling the mortgages on the properties. And then when we went into the Arizona Corporations Commission documents to take a look at those companies, what we found is that those were, in essence, you know, dummy corporations generally set up by the Chavez family, certainly by Brittany and sometimes by Donna. So that one of the ways we could identify which politicians were involved directly in the fraud was not just looking at bad signatures. Uh, there's a lot of those to go around, but not just bad notarizations. There's a lot of that to go around, but also looking at the companies that were supplying the, the alleged cash for the alleged mortgages. And so the, one of the ways we could, we could pick up Katie Hobbs and others in this 
is that there were several companies. When you say others, does that include Carrie Lake and Wendy Rogers specifically at all? Well, it certainly it certainly involves Adrian Fontes, who is the Secretary of State and the former County Recorder, uh, and it certainly involves a whole lot of a whole lot of other officials. And what we found is one of the companies, for example, it's just one of many, but I'll give you an example because, like I said, we name names. We don't we don't hide behind this. One of them was a company called Fairway Independent Mortgage, and we found that Fairway Independent Mortgage. By the way, most of the mortgage companies operate out of Utah. That should tell you something. Uh, and what we find is is that these companies operating out of Utah with privileges within Arizona were the ones supplying the mortgages, and that the documents filed in the state of Arizona for these companies to operate were all being filed by, by members of the Chavez family. Their handwritings, like the document you just saw, the corporate document you put up on the screen, their handwritings appear on the filings before the Arizona Corporations Commission. And that's how we can tie them together. So one of the, th- so one of the things that's very important here is that it's not simply whether or not you've got you know, a bad notary on your document or you've got you know, some signature problems on your documents. You know, like we said, one of the things you find is that the, sa- the person's signature is different you know, on different documents. Clearly, some of these documents are forged, you know, forged with their name on them. But they clearly must know because they're tied directly to their properties. And most of the ones that have any kind of forgeries, whether in the notary or in the signature, tied directly to these falsified mortgage companies. So that's how we put this together. And like I said, in the book and, of course, in the footnotes, we show you all of these documents for all of these people. Lance, hold on. I want to bring something up to John and, and Jacqueline. I know when you started all this investigation, all this work, you were tasked to do some work for insurance companies because of um, fraud within the insurance companies. Have they done anything with the information you gave them? Has any like charges from their companies been brought about? Yeah, yes. And in fact, um, we talk about a couple of examples of this in the book. Uh, one of what, what, let me explain the insurance fraud a little bit. There's two ends of it. One is the automobile insurance fraud, which involves automobile accidents. It involves uh, a, a number of, of, you know, of liens placed on there and, and defrauding Medicaid. That's not the ones we're talking about now, but that's one set of them. The other set is that there's payroll theft, which is where false, falsified what we call phantom individuals, people who don't exist. Phantom individuals are placed into the role of the, um, the employment systems of large-scale employers. Large-scale employers in Arizona would certainly be defense contractors. It would be a number of larger insurance companies, and it certainly would be a lot of healthcare companies, including United Health uh, and Dignity Health. And what we found was is that falsified, you know, phantom individuals would be placed within the the employment roles of those companies, and so a paycheck would be derived from that. So the first set of the theft here, the payroll theft, is deriving a check directly for payroll for somebody who doesn't exist and doesn't actually obviously work. Uh, the next level of that, however, was that the individuals, the individual phantoms who are allegedly working in the companies would take life insurance policies. And these are policies that, you know, cover your death, you know, like term policies. If you die, you get a bunch of money. And what we were finding was is that these fake employees, these phantom employees were applying for and receiving anywhere between five times and nine times annual salary benefits. So if you were making a salary of, say, $40,000 a year, you could get a life insurance policy of, say, $350,000 a year. And then what would happen is, is after about two or three years of taking money from the payroll, all of a sudden this non, you know, this fake employee would die with a husband or wife spouse, who's of course fake as well, making the claim for benefits. 
And, you know, then what would happen is the insurance company, having no idea that anybody here was fake, would pay out the claim on the benefits. Uh, we discussed specifically a case involving MetLife where this happened and where immediately when we discovered the fraud, we immediately contacted both MetLife itself and MetLife's attorneys and reported the scheme, reported the fraud. And now, you know, they're combing through their records and, and as, as some of the other companies have been to find specifically from our parameters uh, a number of phantom employees at places where they provide these kinds of group policies. So, yes, private businesses are taking this very seriously. We found this also with Dignity Health, where we found that there were Dignity Health employees who were phantoms. We immediately curiosity, what was Health. the biggest life insurance policy you saw paid out to one of these phantom accounts? $375,000. Man, maybe so we should move to Arizona. Keep them below the four or $500,000 threshold, because maybe that takes a deeper level of No, it's, it's, more, it's more like this. When you put in the phantom employee, you're putting them in at a low-level job, a clerical kind of job, because that way nobody... Nobody in running an audit is ever going to find them in the system. They just, are, just generally aren't found. So you're talking about somebody who's making thirty to forty thousand dollars a year, and under the group policy, they can get sometimes between five and nine times annual salary mm. before there is a medical checkup, before somebody comes a calling. You know, where it's just simply a matter of filling out a form and sending it back into the gotcha. HR department. I got gotcha. you. So to get that, are they also fabricating like a police report that they got in a car accident? Or no, they die of, no, they die of natural causes, mostly of cancer. Uh, oh, they are, of course, cremated, because why oh, not? Of course. So you've got a cremated body of somebody who dies of cancer, uh, and generally suddenly, within about a three or four month time, they all of a sudden die of cancer. And of course, you know, the phantom husband or wife then makes the claim for the benefits. If you own a mortuary, it's not a bad way for a cartel to get rid of bodies, Jackie. What do you think? <laughs> well, they, they apparently die in their own home as well. You know, they don't ah. die in the center where you can go and look up records. They always die right. at home. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, they only need to do about ten or twenty of those a year, and you've got a hell of a living, right? I mean, it's it's a, it's a good way to it's a, it's a great scam. And I I remember the car stuff. We saw some of that stuff. Uh, you know, I've been a car dealer off and on over the years, had multiple licenses, and always kind of always kept dabbling in it. We saw a lot of that where they would they would buy a wrecked car that maybe showed a clean title. And then they would go ahead and put the paperwork on it. The car was already wrecked and somehow it would get lost in the system. Now, it's become more difficult, but that used to be really common before the age of where we're at now where there's so many uh, photos and everything else with the VIN numbers that are attached. Because you see auctions like IAA, Copart yeah. Auto Auctions. That's where they sell a lot of salvage inventory. So right. pretty interesting. George, I can tell by that look on your face you have something to pop out with. Um, I don't know. It's like all this corruption, even the insurance companies, everything, nothing's going on. But... Two things, John. Um, so, I'm going to use Carrie Lake, for example. So, she couldn't win governorship because of the corruption. I don't know. What makes her think she's going to win a senator? Because we know that Arizona, they're going to do everything they can to keep her ass out, unfortunately. I mean, well, I don't think uh, she should a, run, but... Well, she's, a, she's in a very precarious position here, too, because you have basically a three-person race, we think. Uh, you know, this is this is this is Chris, uh, Kirsten Cinema's seat, and Kirsten Cinema, of course, announced herself as being an independent um, last year. And so, you know, the Democrat Party is intending to nominate Ruben Gallego, who is a congressman, uh, somebody who's also, by the way, on our list. Uh, but you know, Ruben Ruben Gallego, uh, as, who is a congressman from roughly down south near the Tucson area, 
who's going to uh, run as the Democrat, presumptively. Uh, and, and nobody knows for sure whether or not Kirsten Sinema is even going to run. Uh, by all of the polls, if Sinema does run, Lake can't win because there's enough of a split vote between moderate Republicans in the state and, of course, more conservative ones that will vote for Lake that Ruben Gallego is almost a shoe-in for the job. In fact, in most polls, uh, the, the uh, uh, you know, Lam, um, Sheriff Lamb, uh, who is the sheriff of Pinal County, which is a county right next door to Maricopa County, uh, who's also running in the race as a Republican, actually does better and has a better shot at winning the race than Kerry Lake actually has. I would agree with that on Sheriff Lamb. I think his reputation is much better. Uh, he obviously hasn't been in the press so much since he had that uh, loss in the family. We know that impacted him, which we obviously are. Well, let me say something else about Sheriff Lamb, too, is that Sheriff Lamb is one of the few people in Arizona, one of the few law enforcement individuals in Arizona, who did reach out to us shortly after the presentation uh, in February of 2023. To his credit, Sheriff Lamb did contact us, and we have shared some information with him. And we hope to uh, to share a lot more with him, uh, especially with the issues that go on in Pinal County, which are very similar to Maricopa County. Uh, we expect to be doing that this month as well. So there are law enforcement individuals in Arizona who do take this seriously. Uh, you know how you know hamstrung they are. We'll see. But there are some who did reach out to us. There are some officials who do care. And to those people who do, we're absolutely happy to cooperate with them and provide them what we've got. So yeah, right after the uh, last interview, George actually reached out to Sheriff I was just Lamb. That say, was all his doing. Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, Sheriff Lamb on the phone. And he said if someone gives him the receipts, the goods, he will act upon it. So he just needs all the information right. to proof. And he and he said it. He'll go after. It. He goes. He gets a lot of people that you know say this and that, and they and, but they don't bring him the receipts. Yeah, you know. Right. So and you can't expect anybody. You know, he's got a re he's got a real good reputation. He's a great man. He's a great patriot. So <clears throat> I'm sure he would do something if he's got the paperwork, the receipts. He'll go after him, no doubt. Yeah, and we have and we have a whole file for him on Pinal County that we've built up over the past year specifically for him, and we will be reaching out to him and providing that to I mean, him. And that you, may be an area where we see some things happen. If you think about it, though, even though he's a sheriff in Pinal County, and the stuff you've seen that happen with Carrie Lake, it still affects his county. So he should be able to go cross county lines and do what he's got to do. I don't. I'm not. Familiar with that type of law, Lance? You know better. But the problem is that he's probably restricted by his jurisdiction to his county, and we know that the uh, the law enforcement in the county Maricopa? of Maricopa yeah. do not appear to be uh, have the same level of integrity. So it gets he's, complicated yeah. when you have law enforcement in different counties. As a sheriff, but, since he's an elected official, he's got a lot of juice. Uh, I want to do this because I want to give you guys time before we leave. I want you to once again, because it's important, we're just about out of time now. Uh, I want you to tell us where you can find and Jackie. I want to give you. Is there anything else you want to say? Because I want to make sure you got to make any point you wanted to make before we wrap up. Because I know we stepped no, on you a couple of times. No, no, no. That's fine. I'm great. And yeah, thank you for having us. And the more you know, exposure we can get, and more people who could buy the book um, and report to the governor um, and learn more about. You know, we, we we've priced the book really just above cost. I mean, as you've said all along, Lance, this has not been, this has been a labor of love. This has not been some, you know, a money-making racket at all. And so, you know, we just want the book out there so that the more people who are educated and the more people who know, you know, what is actually going on in Arizona, we just hope that they get, you know, they stop being ostriches. They actually, you know, see what we see 
and something gets done. Yeah, and I and I really appreciate it. So let me say this again. It's uh, Let's give the website one more time, John, and also let's have you guys plug your social media. If there's anything else you want to promote right now, now's your moment to our subscribers and listeners. And I want to say this. Whatever you guys can do, you, you know, you can get a if you get a, a a copy of the book and an extra copy over to Joe Altman. You know, he works directly with Mike Lindell. They're extremely close. Uh, I remember when this story came out, Joe called me up and said, do you, do you think it's a real story? Because a lot of people were putting that tilt about, oh, it's a retaliation on an ex and blah, 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 all that bullshit they were doing to try to discredit you guys. And I said, oh, Joe, it's a bunch of bullshit. That's just a redirect, man. And he took it to heart when I said it. He goes, I'd love to see more about this story. I would recommend, because obviously Lindell doesn't have a copy yet, correct? Uh, Lindell does not have a copy. Brennan House does have a copy. Uh, I would recommend going through Joe Altman. If you can get a copy, if you send him here even to Colorado, I'll go see Joe. He's just down the road from me. And I'll give him the copy for Lindell if you want to autograph him or anything. If you want that done, because I, I don't know that the Brandon House, uh, Altman, Lindell, there seems to be some odd things going on behind the scene. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I think if you really want to take it to the next level and get it, because Mike is obviously still fighting this tooth and nail if there's Absolutely, anybody else on the yeah. list you want to get a book to, I may be able to help you contact those people. Uh, but go ahead. Plug everything. Let's go. Let's do it. Plug it. Well, one of the things I'll say is the website, of course, for the book is reporttothegovernor.com, all one word, obviously. And what we have on, the, on that site is not only the ability to order the book and the ability to, to order the book at a discount. Um, we're providing discounts to, to all of the, uh, the, you know, the viewers here. Uh, but, you know, I will also autograph the book for you and personalize it to you. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, we have a number of other features on the website, including, um, you know, videos that we have made of some of the parts of the book. So that some areas that may be a little more complicated, maybe harder to see, maybe harder to understand, you know, we've put on there, uh, you know, several videos to explain to you about the deeds, to explain to you about fraudulent election documents, to explain to you uh, about, you know, fraudulent signatures, so that you can see up close and personal um, exactly what we're talking about. So you not only get to see it from the book and from the footnotes that are there, like I said, there's over 5,000 pages of documents within the footnotes, but also you get to see it, you know, from another point of view, which is some short videos. I think we have three or four, you know, short video presentations or less than, they're about 30 minutes, give or take a piece, that give you an idea of what we're seeing. And, you know, this is what documents, the documents are marked. We show you comparisons of the documents, et cetera, so that you can see exactly what we see and how we do this. Uh, within the 5,000 pages of footnotes, we've tried to put them, anything that's longer than, than a page or two, we've put into a PDF book. So that way, when you go and if you want to see the entirety of about 1,500 pages of the forensic question documents examiner reports, which are very specific, show the documents, show the handwriting, show the analysis, you can see that. We wanted people to be able to understand exactly what we were seeing, how we did it. We wanted you to get the story in real time and to be able to, you know, read the book all the way through. But anytime you want to see exactly what the documents look like, exactly what the reports say in their initial pristine form, these are unedited, unredacted. You can go look at, at the footnote section and look at those documents. One other thing I want to say is that we've created, we created early last year, something called projecttaylor.org. Um, we don't so much plug it as we tell people about it. Projecttaylor.org was designed to help families uh, who have abducted children. You know, whether it's a parent who, who's got a child, you know, that's been abducted, 
or whether that's you know a parent or a family that's had a run-in with you know child protective service agencies and has lost a child out of it, lost a child to foster care. Um, we use proceeds from the book to help fund projectthaler.org. And to this date, you know, we have about 10 or so clients at the moment from all over the world, actually, but certainly mostly from the United States, uh, where we are helping those families to reclaim their children. You know, you know, it, it, there's a saying about this, but I think it goes like it, it really goes like this. You know, anything that I can do to make someone else's life better in this area, I want to do as much as I struggle daily with the issue of my child, McKinley, having been abducted and the inability of him to talk to me or talk to Jackie Brager or talk to my 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 other son, my oldest son, or talk to my sister, his aunt, or talk to any of his cousins. As hard as that is, that doesn't mean I can't do things to help other people. Um, I've been practicing law for an awfully long time uh, between what I do, you know, out of the state of California, out of Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, and other states, you know, there's things that we can do to help. So for anybody out there, you know, check out projectthaler.org. Again, that's kind of one word, projectthaler.org. Um, and, you know, like I said, what we do there is we help, you know, reunite kids with their parents, exactly the way God intended, the way it should be. So we do that as well. You can follow me on social media at Thaler ESQ, Thaler ESQ, uh, that's on X, uh, Thaler ESQ on X. You'll see me, you follow me. We sometimes will put up some of the evidence. It's hard on Twitter because we're limited, you know, with the number of characters, but we try to put up evidence that you can see. Uh, anything that comes out, anytime I'm gonna be speaking, we put that up as well. We do take information out of the book and do that so people can see things, you know, about what's in the book, you know, so you can follow me on there. We do have reports to the governor on Facebook, uh, but you can also friend me on on my regular Facebook. Uh, you'll find it. You'll see me. You'll immediately see the picture of me and McKinley. You, you can't miss it. Um, but also report to the governor on Facebook. If you just type that into the search there, uh, that'll come up as well. Uh, so I, I and I want to say one last thing about this. I, I want to thank everybody. You know, the support that I have received, that Jackie has received, that my team members have received. Uh, you know, over the past year, when this really became a public a public event, uh, has been incredible. You know, just the well wishes, the prayers, everything. You know, for everybody, you know, I try to call back people. I try to, you know, contact people who contact me. You know, I can't always do it. It's just time is just what it is. But, you know, I hear you. You know, Jackie hears you. And somewhere out there, McKinley hears you. And one day, this will make a huge difference to him. I know it makes a huge difference to all of us. And so thank you for having us on. But thank you all, everybody in the audience who has given us all this wonderful support. And we appreciate you. And Jackie, if I'm not mistaken, on X, you're Fine Breger, is that right? Fine Breger. And then on Facebook, just my regular Jacqueline Fine Breger. Um, but yeah, I just want to reiterate, you know, what John said. I mean, we get emails and texts and, you know, messages all the time about people who are really, you know, praying for us. And we appreciate that. Um, and really, we're giving back through, you know, through um, Project Thaler. Um, there isn't a day where, you know, where John doesn't, you know, tell me about a kid that, had, you know, he's reunited with a, with a parent that, you know, wow. doesn't warm my heart. So, you know, that's something that we really are passionate about because if we, you know, we don't have McKinley right now, but, you know, we want to help anybody because we don't want anyone to feel what we feel every single day. Well, our prayers are with you about McKinley. We hope soon you guys will be reunited. Obviously, that's really important. 
Um, we want to thank you guys for what you're doing. We thank you from our listeners and subscribers because I know they appreciate it. They're talking about it in the chat. Uh, this kind of work, it's God's work. It's important. You guys are doing the right thing, and you're really trying to make a difference, which is never easy. You know, we're, we're, we're salmon swimming upstream in this situation. Uh, George, go ahead. You take us to close out, and anything else you'd like to say, brother? Um... No, just Arizonians, get out there, do what you got to do, figure it out. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, don't forget to follow us on X at Lance Miliaccio, The Big Big Show, G Ballantine. True social getter, it's Lance Miliaccio, George Ballantine, The Big Mig. And then you got Richard Sparza on Rumble. Don't forget to hit the like, the comment. Please comment under the video in the more section. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a blessed weekend. Peace out. for your toughest jobs or your most rugged excursions. Introducing Sea of Mud Apparel, your go-to destination for clothing that embodies the relentless spirit of rural America. We were blue collar before it was cool to say you work for a living. Let your clothes speak for you. Embrace quality, comfort, and the American way. Shop now at seaofmud.com. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen 
Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98. Or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Welcome to the next generation of warfare, psychological warfare. In modern conflict, the mind is a potent weapon. Discover General Michael T. Flynn's groundbreaking guide, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Unlock tactics, strategies, and the mindset to navigate this cognitive battlefield that we all find ourselves in. Equip yourself against manipulation and emerge unscathed. Unleash your potential. Order now.